working on something, a customer come in and I'm, I'm like thinking like, oh, another customer, oh, I'm, try, I'm just trying to put this radio in the demo board. Can't they just leave me alone? But the thing is, is, you know, as, as you grow up as a person and mature and you start realizing that, you know, Hey, they, like they took time out of their day to come in here. They're not inconveniencing you. You're inconveniencing them by not engaging in them and not taking care of that customer. Smaller independent businesses, you know, the team are trained maybe that the SOP is the phone has to be answered within three rings, but they haven't say why they're answering the phone. You know, why answer the phone if you're not going to pay attention to them, right? But yeah. they haven't taken it to the um, outcome you want to create by answering the phone. And therefore, the team really are doing what they were trained to do. And they're focusing on what you had them focus on. And the missing piece is the why and the outcome we want to create. One of the most important facets of any business is customer service. In business, you are not only selling a product or a service, but an experience. Providing exceptional customer service and developing real relationships with your clients means increased sales, retain customers, new customers via word of mouth, and a positive reputation. You're listening to the Focus on Customer Experience podcast. podcast. Benjamin Del Grosso gives you the ins and outs of one of the most underlooked aspects in business today. Improve your customer service and watch your business skyrocket. Two, one. Benjamin Del Grosso. Hello and welcome to the show. Today we have Patty Mara. She is the author of Up Solutions, Turning Your Team into Heroes and Customers into Raving Fans, the owner of Marinette Incorporated, and the creator of Profit, Profit Generator Program and, and the Breaking Through Barriers Program. So welcome to the show, Patty. Wonderful to be here, Benjamin. Thank you for having me on your Focus on Customer Experience podcast. Yeah, I appreciate it. We, we had a good uh, discussion off camera. We'll have to bring some of that fire forward now. So anyways, what got you started in, into, into all of this? Well, it's, it's interesting. Uh, we were talking about, you know, customer experience is kind of like the hot topic these days. Uh, but I really started in the 80s. I had an interesting experience. I had a, as a, when I was a student at university, I had a part-time job in a bookstore and I had a good manager. And so really basic training, but all the team was trained that when a customer came in the store, we stopped what we were doing. We greeted them. How are you? Can I help you find something? If they were looking for something specific, we took them to the section, put the book in their hand. If we didn't have it, we offered made a recommendation of an alternative or we saw if we could order it in. And it was a small chain bookstore in a, in a mall. We weren't supposed to do the special orders and we did it all the time for people. Um, and, you know, simple things like if a customer was in the store, we didn't have sidebar conversations. The focus was on the customer. Uh, and wow. it's interesting. It's interesting because first of all, it was fun to work there. We had very little team turnover. Most of the most of the team were student part-time students, so you'd think high turnover, very little turnover, and um, fun. The shifts went by fast. So many, at least every shift, there was one or two people coming in and just popping their head back in the store, saying, 
listen, we've been to so many stores in this mall, and this is the only one that we felt welcomed and appreciated, and we just wanted to say thank you. So, but the end of the year, why, you know, that was fun, that's great. At the end of the year, the manager shared the business results. So that, so this is late 80s. The store was budgeted to generate 500,000 gross revenue, and we did just over a million. So, you know, that's, that's mostly profit because the main expenses are paid. Um, you know, that stuck with me, the power of, of customer, creating an experience that customers want to do business with your store. It was not, it was good for the back end, it was good for the team, and it was good for the customer. Oh yeah, no. I mean, it's it's important. I mean, uh, I was telling you I worked at Best Buy many years ago, and Best Buy is a very systems and processes and SOP related company. And when I worked there, literally, I could hire a new employee, and within thirty days, I'd have them as you know a borderline rock star within that department because they had literally all the questions that you should ask a customer. They had all the lifestyle questions you should ask. And then they had like independent training, depending on what the customer was looking for. They had all what they call basic exploring and narrowing questions, right? And it was all about customer first. Now, occasionally there were Smurf patches because, you know, everybody wore blue, you know, but the whole point was, is you really didn't want to have those Smurf patches, you know, happening, right? You wanted to have everybody engaging with customers. And prior to me working at Best Buy, occasionally I would do the stuff that you were talking about. You know, I'd be working on something, a customer would come in, and I'm, I'm like thinking like, oh, another customer. Oh, I'm try just trying to put this radio in the demo board. Can't they just leave me alone? But the thing is, is, you know, as, as you grow up as a person and mature and you start realizing that, you know, hey, they, like they took time out of their day to come in here. They're not inconveniencing you. You're inconveniencing them by not engaging in them and not taking care of that customer. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's it, you know it's it's a different kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And and you know it's interesting. I work a lot with independently owned pharmacies and their teams, and uh, it's interesting because you know often it's the technicians in a pharmacy who are answering the phone, and the, there's not one person on the team that's sitting there waiting for the phone to ring. So they're working on something, they're filling prescriptions, they're in the middle of something when they answer the phone. And it's so easy as you, exactly what you just said, Benjamin, to view it as an interruption rather than this is why we're doing what we're doing, right? Yeah. It's, it's literally, you have to park what you're doing, fully present and take care of the patient on the phone and then go back. But, you know, it, it's, it's that alone sets a business apart. That right there is exactly why when customers call me, half the time they say, is this a good time to call? Mm -hmm. And in my head, I'm going, well, why did I pick up the phone if this wasn't a good time for me to talk to you, right? If, if it wasn't a good time, I wouldn't have picked up the phone. But that's my thinking, my level of thinking. But when you think about it, there's so many places that will pick up the phone and they are preoccupied. You know what I mean? And because of that, they're not giving all the attention to the customer. And I think customers have gotten used to that. It's like, it's like we've trained customers to go, it's okay. 
You know what I mean? Which to me it isn't, but, and that's not really, it's not really acceptable, but that's why there's so many people that are asking that question now. I think this is almost one of those points that we could open up, Benjamin, because, you know, you talked about Best Buy with their uh, SOPs and um, a lot of smaller independent businesses, you know, the team are trained maybe that the SOP is the phone has to be answered within three rings, but they haven't say why they're answering the phone. You know, why answer the phone if you're not going to pay attention to them, right? But yeah. they haven't taken it to the um, outcome you want to create by answering the phone. And therefore the team really are doing what they were trained to do. And they're focusing on what you had them focus on and the missing piece is the why and the outcome we want to create. Yeah, no, and, and it makes sense because, because, you know, when I did work there, we never, I don't think, I don't think we ever had that, but I mean, I have worked at places where we pick up the phone within three rings and then you're like, yeah. Oh, Hey, how's it going? Uh, yeah. Uh, um, can I give you a call back? Uh, and in your phone number and your name. Okay. And what time what is a good time to call you back? And then you write it all down. Put on a sticky note the sticky note you know doesn't stick sometimes so it disappears flies away and then you know three days later customer calls were you ever going to call me back and you know i'm still blown away that customers give you that 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 uh you know that a uh, second chance or third chance Many but, don't. but yeah well sorry yeah there is a lot of what is it i want to see the generation i'm in We'll give you because I'm I'm 41 years old. So the generation I'm in will give you usually one chance and go back. The generation, like my parents' generation, they're 65. So I can't remember that's baby boomers or whatever, right? Um, from my understanding, they'll keep going to place over and over and over again from my marketing training that I got. They'll complain about it every time, but they'll just keep going back. Right. But my generation will usually give people one chance. And if if it was one and done, right? If it didn't work out, we might go back once more just to see, hey, maybe it was just a bad, bad shift, bad employee, whatever. But, and then it's the, the next generation after us is literally like they're one and done. They're literally like, it was terrible. Never going back there. They're on the list. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, but that's the thing. And then next thing you know, you got a one-star Google review. People don't want to interact with you. And you know what, sometimes as a business owner, you can talk them into giving you another chance. Maybe it was an off day. Maybe you had to, I don't know, who knows? You had to fire someone mid shift. Who knows? Whatever the excuse is, right? Things happen, mm -hmm. but it's how you, how you adapt. And, and the big thing I always talk about with customer service, customer experience, is whatever you do, you need to be consistent because mm -hmm. if you're consistent, oh, yeah, Yep. People will come back over and over and over again because you're consistent. Yep. So that that to me is a big thing. I really love this. Uh, you have some notes here and, you know, your customers are always talking to you. Are you listening? And I really love that because a lot of people don't. So that must uh, sit really well with you. Would you like to talk about that? Sure. Absolutely. It's actually... Um, there's a, there's a couple of layers to this. One is that, um, the rule of thumb is that whatever a customer says to you, 
that's what's important to them. So if they say thank you for something, if they say thank you for having this ready for me, or thank you for calling me back, or you know, thank you for ordering that in for me, whatever they say thank you for, they're telling you this is what they value. And so there's there's the words that are used, and the words are important. And you really want, you know, if the owner's not on the front lines, then the team need to be trained to pay attention to the words because they're using the words that they resonate with. So your marketing should use those words. And the next layer is they're hearing the message. And it could be questions. If you're getting regular questions in your business, that's the information that a customer needs to know before they make a buying decision. Well, you need to be harnessing that in whether it's a Q&A sheet or it's upfront, it's on your website, it's in, you know, um, uh, one pharmacy I worked with, they had customers asking for children's cough and cold all the time. So they created a children's cough and cold section that was front and center. You know, it depends on your market. Maybe that's not your market. Maybe it was be supplements. But it's if you're paying attention to, so you're listening to the words, you're, you're capturing the words, but you're really hearing the message. And the message allows, it's, it's, it's literally the most important market research. Every business gets it every day and most are missing it because oh, yeah. they, right if, if if you if you can create solutions using your the wisdom of the of the team and the business if you can create solutions for your customers needs and you're paying attention to what those needs are you literally have an unlimited opportunity for growth yeah no this is it's a big thing like if you think about a pharmacy like a pharmacy if you call them a lot of people ask, when will my prescription be ready? And the place I deal with, what they do is I say, oh, I'm calling to get, you know, to redo my prescription. And they go, okay, yeah, no problem. We have you on file. We're going to redo it. It will be ready in about 20 to 30 minutes. Because they already know the next question is going to be, you know, when can I expect it? Mm -hmm. Right? Or how long till it's ready? So... Mm -hmm. That means that them, they already know that question is going to be asked, so they're saying it. Mm -hmm. While some places might not say it at all, right? They might just say, they're okay, thanks. They're filling the script, right? That the yeah. task is the script, but the result is the patient confidence. Yeah, you have to know because probably what's going to happen is, uh, and when should I come by and pick it up, right? And you, so, I mean, having Q&As for stuff like that on your website, uh, easily available to read, you know, you have to have that, that information there because people are asking all the time. And it's funny because people will still ask me some of the questions where I've already given them the blog, I've given them the link of what to expect, but not everybody's going to read or watch the videos or anything. So you still get the oddball question like, well, how long is it going to take? And, and when should I expect you? Well, you know, I have a certain form of automation, but but the automation I have is just giving a lot of the blogs, the FAQs, and the calendar reminders. Other than that, everything else is basically a human element within the company, right? Because we want to have that personal touch. We want to be able to be talking to them one-on-one. -on -one. We don't want to turn everything into full automation, which is a lot of companies I think are going too automated now where they're completely mm -hmm. losing the human element. Mm -hmm. Well, phone trees, that's the perfect example are the phone trees that you can't talk to a human being, 
and they have you jump through hoops. Now, of course, you have to speak your number or your account or your password. Or, um, and again, if I'm thinking about pharmacies, I'm an advocate for a pharmacy having um, an answering, like, you know, when the phone rings, it goes into um, a phone tree, but it's not a phone tree as a barrier. It's a phone tree as giving the, the person calling the patient or customer more choice so they talk to who they want to talk to. But, you know, you want to have one or two menus, not 20. Yeah, I had a, I had a phone tree when I started the business and my phone barely ever rang. Mm-hmm. And all it was was push this for sales, push this for, and every didn't matter what button you could put a push any button, it'll still go to me anyways because it was just me, and but I got rid of all of that. But I understand a lot of these big companies they have to have it, but if they had one person just pick up the phone, and let me get you through it, it's a whole different level of experience. I think I think people are pushing to get the human element back again. Yes especially with COVID separating so many people uh, mm-hmm. from each other for so long, I think businesses, and that's my, my focus is, is to be, is to have as much human element as possible within the business. Yes. Right. I, I, I agree, Benjamin. The only thing I would, um, so uh, the thing with pharmacy is they they are so busy that they need to have a way of directing calls. So I actually am an advocate for um, a, a, a phone tree, but a minor one. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like one or two choices and then you're talking to a live person. The purpose of it needs to be that they're talking to the right person, not as a barrier to talking to somebody. Yeah. Uh, but that actually allows the pharmacy to have more personalized service. So if a tool is used to increase the service that the, the people contact, I'm an advocate. If it's used as a barrier so you never have to deal oh. with your people, I, I'm 100% against it. Oh, yeah. No, if it's simple, like, hey, you've reached a blah, 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 pharmacy for sales to, or, to, you know, probably be to refill your prescription, push one, to talk to a pharmacist, push two, to whatever, push three, you know, yeah, I don't know. But I mean, if it's simple like that, I have no problem with that. What I have a problem with is you get on the phone with these things and it jibber jabbers for like 45 seconds. And then it, then it finally gives you these options. And if you've called the the company, let's call it, let's call it a banking institution. And you've called, I don't know, a hundred times in the last few years, you already know you have to push one, but they make you wait that 45 seconds. And you're like, I'm never getting this time back in my life. So and that's where I have a problem with the trees. You can't preemptively <laughs> push one because it won't allow the one into. And my 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 personal peeve on that is the one that says, "Listen carefully to your options; they have changed." And you know, I get the same message for the next two years. <laughs> that same message it makes yeah yeah. So, I guess we'll get into a few questions here. I know you were curious about the questions, so. What was your most memorable experience as a customer? So, you know, I have I I, I have good and bad experiences, and and um, one of the things I one of the uh, books I recommend 
that every teen read is uh, Complaint is a Gift by Janelle Barlow, because certainly the negative experiences are, and I'm, you know, because I know it's so hard to receive a complaint and that, but complaints for me are one of the most important forms of customer care. Listen, a competitive advantage, almost an unfair advantage, if a company handles complaints well, because it's an interesting, it's a really interesting that, um, uh, statistically or you know all the research that i've read is that most raving fans for a business is not the customers that everything went right it, it they are the customers that something went wrong and how the team heard them handled it and and engaged with the patient even if they couldn't write what had gone wrong but how they handled it turned the customer into raving a raving fan so um uh, you know, certainly there are there are experiences that have stood out where they've just handled complaints so poorly, even when I'm trying to be gentle. But my probably my favorite one was the first time I bought a BMW. So my it was actually, you know, first time I was buying a new car myself. And uh, there'd been this ad that, you know, buy a, you know, get a 320i for 320 a month. So you know, I've been looking at Jeeps and I had the worst car experience, you know, uh, old style sales guy that, you know, took my driver's license and insurance so we could test drive the car, didn't have the standard and trying to tell me that I can, I can evaluate a standard. It was just the worst experience. He like had me waiting for 10 minutes and I couldn't leave because he still had my driver's license and insurance so he could check with the manager. It was the worst you know, uh, sales tactics. And he's following up with me like, and it's like, yeah, I'm not buying from you, dude. <laughs> so by contrast, I went into this BMW dealership and, you know, got sat down in a nice office and offered her coffee and they spend a few minutes to say, what are you looking for? You know, what do you like? What do you not like? You know, what's their price range? What's, you know, important for you? And then we went on a test drive, test driving what I was interested in. And then we went back to his office to see what did he have available and did any of them, none of them were what I was looking for. So he followed up with me literally daily or every second day for the next week until he called me. And every time he, he called me, he said, so this has become available. Is this, is this, what do you like about it? Do you not like it? Is this something you're interested in? He always asked a buying question, but in a way that was to my benefit. And after I think five days, he had the right fit for me at the right price for me. And I bought the vehicle and I was happy. I felt like I was completely taken care of. Nice. No, that's great. Yeah. And that is very true. If you do have customers where they're having challenges or anything and you take care of them, they'll be, you know, they're going to be raving fans for you. And that's the, that's the funny thing is, is to me, you know, a lot of people like to use this word common sense, and I don't believe in common sense. I believe all of us have been gone to different schools. We all grew up differently with parents, some with two parents, some with one parent, right? You know, you have all sorts of different households and everything that we live in. And so for us to say common sense, I just don't believe in it. And, and also that's because, you know, somebody might pay attention to math. Somebody might not pay attention to math in school. We all have different things that engage us. So I just don't believe in it. But I do have a point here, I think. <laughs> um, 
and, and I was getting to it. And, and of course I had, I don't remember where I was going with it now. Um, ah, shoot. Well, I'll, I'll, as you're, as you're, that's coming up, Benjamin, I will say I bought two more vehicles from the same dealer. Oh, I know what I was going to say. But yeah. It was easy. Right. And I felt taken care of. Yeah. I remember now. So customers are always contacting me. Like even last night, a gentleman, Hey, I seen a car accident. Uh, he emailed and it was after hours. Now I could have said, Oh, it, you know, it's after six o'clock, but I was like, he's seen a car accident today. He wanted to retrieve the footage. So my first thing was one of my values is urgency. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, well, I better call this guy. He's seen an accident. He's got it on video, right? I need to help him out. So I was on the phone with him for about half an hour trying to walk him through it because some people aren't good with technology. And he he's he's one of the people that just wasn't. He's not 100% confident, and that's fine. So I try to walk him through it, help him out and everything. And the way I look at it is those little challenges there by how you help your client out go a long way. And, I mean, I'll have customers message me about little things like, hey, I noticed the dash camera was doing this. And I'll, I'll send them back like a video explaining why it's doing that. Or I'll send back an email saying, oh, that's actually completely normal. And this is why. But if you don't do that, mm -hmm. you're just allowing things to hang there. If you don't get back to them, you don't message them, you don't call them. You know, they, they kind of are sitting there going, this guy care about me. Mm -hmm. And you want to be there for your customers. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe I didn't, you know, do really bad customer service to them in terms of to create that. But even the follow up afterwards, you need to be able to take care of your clients. And I mean, it sounds like this person at the car dealership was definitely taking care of you. Absolutely. Ab right. Absolutely. And, and, and I felt heard. And I, I was never, I never felt sold. And he asked a buying question every time we talked. Great. So did you use your turning signals when you drove that BMW or no? Of course I did. <laughs> <laughs> That's always the, the going joke. I have a few friends with BMWs and they always talk about how they don't use their turning signals because they're well, a BMW I, driver. <laughs> I've never even heard of that. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, it's like well, a, I wasn't part of the club. It's a it's a going joke. I've never owned a BMW, but it's all over the internet. There's little <laughs> memes and stuff of BMW passed me, didn't use his turning signals. And, <laughs> well, that's normal. Yep. Well, I have a mini now, and we all wave at each other. <laughs> <laughs> those are those are nice little cars. I've worked on a lot of those. They actually, you know, I mean, the Italian job really did a great job of promoting Mini Coopers. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. So when you look around at the world today, what has stood out to you as the biggest change in how we interact as mm. customers and people? Great question. So first of all, I'm, I would start by saying I'm a passionate advocate for locally owned businesses. I, and, and mostly br brick and mortar. Most of my clients are brick and mortar. So we keep hearing brick and mortars dead. And I think we're in a renaissance. I actually think it's going to be the locally owned businesses that bring, bring us out of this crisis that we've gotten ourselves into. And um, uh, so the thing that I see that's different, and this was actually paying attention to my own purchasing you know, desires, if you will. I think people want to shop from home and they want it largely delivered to home. 
So all of a sudden, Amazon's become this bedrock because it's easier just to look up on Amazon rather than you know drive around your local community. I think the, the single biggest difference is it used to be if you had a physical store and you opened your doors, people came. And now you cannot rely on that. You have to build relationships. I think there are new business rules. I think there's a shift from sales to solutions and you need to be focusing on how what you offer creates a solution for your market. And there's a shift from transactions to relationships. If, if another way of saying that is a sale is just a beginning. If you're not building relationships and giving people a reason why to come to you and you know what you offer and you're communicating with them, not in the store. If I like a company, I want to hear from them by email, not necessarily every day, but when they have something special, I want to know about it. Um, and an example, Benjamin, is there are a couple st local stores that, that I'm a passionate advocate for, and, and both of them opened stores during the lockdown, the pandemic. And um, one was a little bakery, a French bistro bakery. And uh, um, they, I don't even think they have a website now. They opened with Instagram and, and Facebook and they showing all these, you know, delicious pictures and, and they were fun and engaging. And so they opened when everyone else was struggling and they thrive. They're always busy. They're always sell out. And another was a pet food boutique store. And they, they had already been opened in two communities, but they opened in another community, literally um, I think it was May 2020. So right in the midst of nothing being open. And, um, uh, but they did it, they had a fun community engagement, they were on social media, they were playful, uh, let us come to you, we'll bring stuff to you. If, if you do this and engage with us in this way, then there's this contest, they had fun, and they were out there. And both of these companies are regularly, that's literally their form of communication is a lots on social media. You have to know where, where are your customers and you need to be engaging with them and understanding that you know, their wants and needs may be different now than they were two and a half years ago. Yeah, it just everything keeps changing. Mm -hmm. And to kind of go back on your point, you're talking about how you want to get emailed. I, I actually don't do any email marketing at all i i did at one point in time i had a crm and i probably will introduce it at one point in time where i'm doing something but i i found that most email most companies are doing like i tell you like five six emails a week and all i do is delete them i just delete them and some of them I keep because I know sooner or later they're going to send me something that's important. But all I do is just keep deleting them. And it, it's, it doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. I think if someone's emailing maybe once a week, once every two weeks, it's mm -hmm. probably okay. But that's my opinion. And everybody's going to feel different. But when I started my company, I had a CRM, customer relationship management is what they call it. And for those that don't know, and I had it send out, if somebody put a lead in to possibly do business with, I'd send them about eight emails in four days because mm -hmm. that's what they teach you. Mm -hmm. They teach you to do that. Anyways, I started realizing that when I get emails like that, I just delete them all. I don't want to do business with that company. And I'm like, this is what I'm putting out to my customers. I hate this. Why am I doing this to my customers? 
An interesting topic with this is, I don't know if you heard this week, but Amazon is opening up email marketing to their top sellers. They're going to allow them to send email marketing to Amazon customers that buy frequently from them. So that's going to be interesting to see where that goes. Mm -hmm. That's either going to hurt Amazon Mm -hmm. or it's going to help them. Mm -hmm. The key piece here is what do your customers want and how do you create more value? Not how can you sell more stuff? Right. Yeah. And here's 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 the dichotomy of this. If you're actually taking care of your customers, you'll probably sell more stuff. But by focusing on how can I hammer this in and get them to buy more, yeah. that's sales. You need to be focusing on solutions, not transactions, but relationships. And unless you make and the outcome is you sell more stuff, but the focus is different. You know, find your customer. Um, I'll give you an example. I have a horse, so I, I'm a frequent lover of tack shops. I've got one tack shop close to me that sends out emails, as you said, once a week, once every two weeks, only when they have something to share. Not just because they're hammering stuff, but they've got a new product line. They've got a new flyer that came out. They're having a special event. There's a sale coming up. And I look at, you know, they sell when they send me stuff, I look at it. I have another tax shop. It's actually my favorite tax shop and they do nothing. So I end up buying from the one that sends me information because they're engaging with me. And if it's something I want, I buy it. And I, it's, it's a missing piece. And the other thing with the tax shop, I really love this tax shop. It's a 50 year old tax shop, but their website's awful. Their search function doesn't work. You know, so they're relying on people coming into their store and people aren't shopping that way anymore. No, things, things are changing, right? I mean, I, my website that I had for a very long time uh, that I built myself and everything, and I, you know, I like it, but I always kept feeling like there's something that was missing from the site. So we actually changed the approach and we hired somebody to do bring it to another level. And now it's a little bit more simplified. I had a few people say, well, there's a lot less information on there. I said, well, no, the information's all there. It's just spread out differently instead of being like, because I think what was happening is some people were coming to the website and going, holy, this is overwhelming, right? There's so many things on this website. And, you know, for a customer, if it's overwhelming, they're just going to leave. So I just felt that I needed to change the approach. So this is more simplified. It's easy to understand. And that's what you have to look at is what, what are consumers going to like? What's going to be easy for them to understand? Um, and that's, you know, that's another level of, of customer experience because if it's too complex and overwhelming, they're just going to go somewhere else. Absolutely. And right? no independent business can afford to lose customers through attrition or poor experience. Yeah, I I don't want to lose customers if I don't have to, that's for sure. Yeah, so uh, is there a book you have read that has influenced your life? Yeah, so... So um, I'm, a, I'm uh, in a program called Strategic Coach and Dan Sullivan is just brilliant. And um, uh, he teamed up with Ben um, Hardy and, and there's the book, Who Not How. 
And I, so there's, first of all, there's a, there's like two or three books that the two of them have collaborated on. I would read any of those, but Who Not How is specifically, especially for, you know, independent business owners. The whole thing is, you know, what it takes to get a business off the ground is you have to do everything. As you were saying, Benjamin, you had a phone tree and it all went to you. It was almost kind of leveraging. It all went to you. When you start getting a business off the ground, you are the one who does it all. The idea of Who Not How is... Um, your job is to come up with the idea and rather than figure out how to do it, who can do it for you? So the, you come up with an idea, the next piece is who's identifying your who, and that is liberating. So that, that's, it's a pivotal book for collaboration and that will create dramatically more results and more opportunity if you shift your mindset around that. So that who not how would be my book. That sounds similar, like, well, part of what you were explaining sounds similar to the book I'm reading right now. I'm reading a book called Clockwork. Hmm. And, but it's all about systems and processes. And it's all about, you know, how to build those systems and processes, how to record those systems and processes so that you can replace yourself with somebody else. If somebody quits and they get hired again, you don't have to train them yourself. You already have all these things recorded or written down. So that they can literally watch the videos and boom, be a superstar right away. And, you know, like I said earlier, you know, when I was at Best Buy, they had all these operating standard operating procedures where literally you could turn somebody into a superstar in 30 days. If you followed these, what they need to learn, this is what they need to get done. They even had like how to use their computer system, like everything down to a T, how to use their computer system what button to push, everything, so that they could do sales, they could take payment, they could, yeah, you know, everything was very simple. There'd be little things that, you know, were hiccups, but realistically, at the end of the day, that's what you wanted. You wanted it dialed in, very easy to understand. And I love that what you're saying is who could take care of this? Yes, because you You don't have to create the systems. I mean, that's the key. I love that book. That sounds a lot like the E-Myth Revisited, which I read many 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 moons ago that's a good book uh, too it is a great book it's almost like you need to have a franchise model except without it being limiting i mean independent businesses you can get too buried in the sops but if you get 60 percent, you make a dramatic shift in your business and still allow room for innovation um who not how would be i need to systematize this who hmm. can do this for me and one simple way without hiring someone is whoever's doing the job, they create how they do the job. You got your SOP. Nice. So if there's one thing you could change in the entire world today, what would it be and why? Mm. So this will be a little bit off in left field. <clears throat> I'd like to see, I'd <laughs> like to see a, a shift to local government from state, provincial, or federal. And um, I go back to Jane Jacobs, who is this brilliant woman who wrote, uh, her seminal book was The Economy of Cities, that cities are the economic hub of a country. And you have to have healthy cities to help healthy countries. And somehow we've gotten, you know, these bloated governing. It's, um, there's a, a group in the States called Represent Us, and um, they're talking about, you know, how, because there's such a disconnect between, you know, decisions made in parliament versus 
um, you know, the what people want and need. It, it, oh, yeah. You go down that slippery slope about. I, I could talk about this for hours. But. Ah, yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> and, you know, we are in crisis interrupts all patterns. Mm. We're in a period of challenge and change. And we need some real redesign to put accountability back and governance back that's that's you know for the people by the people i i think we need a, a significant shift i will say this i talk to clients all the time and i'll bring things up and you know i i try not to bring up you know politics religion you know any things that you know covid another hot topic right i try not to bring that stuff up right but sometimes it gets brought up and and i have no problem talking about it with a client provided it's an open conversation everybody's willing to listen and hear the other person's ideas because sometimes i've had you know you know covid's like this because of that and i'm like yeah you know what i never thought about it that way okay you know i value your opinion right but you know when you talk about politics for instance you know a lot of these things that are going on and and being pushed in in parliament i know i'll bring up people what do you think about this well it's like well i mean i'd love to not pay dental but where's the money coming from and that's like what everybody says you know the the, the once a year i'm going to the dentist like where's the money coming from and it's it's like oh okay so it's not just me mm-hmm. so you wouldn't want free dental well i don't need free dental i mean like you know, I want other things like and the majority of people are saying they all want other things. They don't want this stuff that they're pushing right now, especially when free dental will cost you more in your taxes than if you just paid the dentist. Yeah, well, it might because now you're paying for a level of government to manage it. Right. So why would you want to pay for that? And so, I mean, this isn't the political show, but I totally agree with you. It would be nice to see more. I mean, there's a lot of cool things that are happening out where we live. They've showed some really cool plans to do this like beachfront, uh, not beachfront, but lakefront or whatever you want to call it. Um, it's going to be this whole big area. There's going to be like a big kids park and it's going to be like a very nice walk along the water and it's going to be really huge for the community. And you know, that's the local government has been pushing through, you know, building a lot more houses. They've been fixing a, a lot of the city. There were some, you know, challenging areas. And I think they're focusing on trying to correct all of that. And that comes directly from local government. Now, it may come from federal or provincial funding as well to assist, but the local government is the ones that are really pushing everything directly to us who live in the community. So I, I do agree. It would be nice to see a little bit more focus on local government, because let's be honest, they're the ones who are making it change for us every single day because we live here. Right. Right. I don't live in Ottawa. You don't live in Ottawa. But if you did, maybe you'd like what's going on there. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. well, and, and, and there's a certain aspect that, you know, we show up based on our environment. And so it's important to design the environment that creates the community you want to have it, it goes hand in hand so i love what you're what they're doing in your community yeah it, it's the plans look amazing and you know when they do that like 3d rendering you know you just hope it looks like the 3d rendering. you know like you see those movies like that that doesn't look anything like the picture <laughs> <laughs>
but uh yeah i don't know do you have any final words of wisdom comments or anything for the for the listeners well i think benjamin i'd bring it back to where we kind of opened the conversation that your your customers are always talking to you are you listening so if you feel like you're stuck if you feel like you're challenged you feel like you're not sure where to go next you're feeling squeezed the first thing to do is start talking to your customers what do they want what do they like what do they need and and not about what you can do for them but just listen to them have your frontline team capturing the convert like what are they saying what are the words they're using what do they think the message is and if you engage in that you will navigate your way through because you'll be solving issues of your marketplace rather than figuring out how to sell more of what you've got yeah that's great I appreciate you coming on today. This is a good back and forth. We had a great off-camera discussion as well. And uh, thanks a lot. My pleasure, Benjamin. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to the Focus on Customer Experience podcast. podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. For more information or to connect with Ben, Check out Benjamin Del Grosso on LinkedIn at Safe Drive Solutions on Instagram or www.safedrivesolutions.ca online. We'll see you next time.